Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast, Q&A edition. Me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Patty, how are you this week? Um, positively fantastic. As people will be hopefully aware by now, we launched the Coach's Corner on Monday. Well, we're actually recording this on Sunday, so that could actually be incorrect. You know, we could have, had, I don't know, some sort of explosion, electricity shortage, internet broken, something could have happened. Yep. We just don't even know. And this is just going to go live on a Thursday. And we're like, yeah, we launched it on Monday and the two of us could be dead. You know, we just don't know. But anyway. Rest in peace. <clears throat> yeah, rip. Um, but anyway, so we launched Coach's Corner on Monday. And previous to that, obviously we were recording this on a Sunday, but previous to that, I was actually discussing coaching with another coach, right? And a question came up which I'm effectively just going to read out here. Now, let me give you one second. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so like when coaching, how do you know what to do, right? Now, obviously we're selling a service that effectively answers that question. Right? So take that for what you will. Obviously we're somewhat biased because we're just going to suggest get in the coach's corner, right? So that's our number one suggestion. But other than that, if you're just listening to this and you're like, well, it's not really for me, you know, I just want to train myself, but I also want to know like how to know what to do and when to do it. Right. <clears throat> we have to come up with some sort of thought process for achieving that outcome, you know, knowing what to do. Right. And there's multiple ways that we can converge on that, that outcome. Right. And obviously there, there, there are differences and there are, some little nuances to it. But effectively the question is, how do you know where to get information that is good, right? Because that's, that's effectively answering the question. Because if you know where to get the information, even if you don't know the information right now, you know where or who you can go to to get that information, right? And what I mean by that is, say you are coaching someone or again, you're coaching yourself and you run into a problem. You're not really sure what to do next. You've been trying all the, the go-to things. You're like, Oh, I tried a calorie deficit. doesn't seem to be working. I, I tried increasing my, I don't know, my proximity to failure and my reps, or I tried increasing my overall training volume, or I tried this or tried that. And it doesn't seem to be working. Right. So you've tried all the, the tried and true processes and it doesn't seem to have resulted in the results that you want. Right. So how do you know what to do next? How do you like, how do you navigate that then? Right. And the way you navigate it is first of all, understanding that what you're actually asking is, or what you're actually lacking is information. Right. And that information builds into experience because if you've seen something once, you know, and you've dealt with it effectively, you can then hopefully, ideally, you know, deal with it effectively in future, right? You're able to see the pattern potentially ahead of time, which would be the ideal. You're like, okay, in this circumstance, this works well, or in this circumstance, this doesn't work well. So we're going to go down this avenue, right? Because ultimately this question is, how do I build experience? Because that's what we want, right? And what we really want to do that is to have an avenue and to have a source of information or multiple sources of information so that we can either go to direct to source, you know, find the information at the source, uh, or we can go to trusted individuals and rely on them to hopefully have the answer or for them to 
be able to go to the source themselves and get the answer, right? And, and again, we are obviously biased in this, but effectively that's what the coach's corner is set up to do. It is effectively outsourcing information and experience. You know, you're basically using our brains and our experience to help with your coaching, to help you make more money, etc. Right? Um, but if you didn't have us, right, we just pretend we didn't exist. You're just listening to this as a random podcast. Someone sent it to you. They're like, yeah, you could benefit from this. You know, you're not involved in any of our services. You've never read any of our comprehensive articles. You know, you, you just don't, don't have that information, right? So how do you navigate the, that, that whole conundrum, right? So Gary, I'm going to pose a question to you. You're a personal trainer. You're a coach. And you come up with a, a topic, a question. You have, you have a pretty good understanding of health and fitness stuff. You know, you've been in the industry two, three years. You know, you, you know your stuff, right? You're in a, in a good position, right? How do you then navigate what to do next when you come up with a problem or you come, a problem is, you know, pops up with someone that you're coaching or whatever? Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's multiple different levels to this. And it really depends on the the specific problem that you're actually dealing with in terms of what you're actually where you're actually going to go because very often if you're just presented with a client specific problem something that's really practical then sometimes your best option is actually to go to other coaches who are more experienced than yourselves than yourself um who has likely dealt with these sorts of problems before. And that can probably point you in the right direction. Obviously that is dependent on you having a network of coaches that you can reach out to that are hopefully more experienced, more competent um, and more knowledgeable than yourself. Um, But obviously there's, there's multiple other ways that you can begin to increase your knowledge. And, you know, in some cases, it might be the case that you actually go, like you said, to primary sources of information, such as, uh, research papers, let's say. In some cases, that might be what you need to do because you know you might be interested in trying to figure out um, what sort of training frequencies work well for different goals. And for that type of question, because it's training principle-based, then reading the actual available evidence on that topic is likely to be helpful. However, with that said, what you would also want to do is ask people who maybe have expertise in the specific area that you're concerned with. So for example, you might go to PubMed initially and you, you Google uh, training frequency or frequency and resistance training. And you realize that there seems to be a lot of evidence for um, frequency, higher frequency approaches, let's say in strength training, maybe less so for hypertrophy training. And then for individuals who are going through the rehab process, it's less clear what the frequency of training should be. So in that case, You've gone, you've done your primary research. Um, I guess it's technically not primary research because the primary researchers did the research, but you're going to the primary source fundamentally. Um, And then what you might want to do after is actually say, okay, right, I know what that says. Now I might actually want to ask some experienced physiotherapists who are used to prescribing exercise in the context of rehab and see what sort of frequencies they aim for. And then you can begin to to learn that way. Um, And I think there's actually... There's a good phrase that, that I heard um, 
Dominic Dominic Monelli used. He was saying that uh, your goal should be co- more coaches, not courses, something along those lines. Basically saying that you're not going to find a course for everything. And you can actually learn a lot through simply observing the practices and learning the practices of coaches who are more experienced because what you have to realize is that it's very likely that they will have encountered similar problems in the past they will have encountered the problems you're running into now and they will have had to do the searching for better answers that you are about to do now does that mean that that is always a reliable process absolutely not because the reality of the situation is that in order to get good answers, you need to know what questions to ask and where you're going to find the answers. And if that individual has been prescribing some sort of intervention that actually doesn't seem to work when you look at the research on the topic and they're just kind of, they think it works, then that's not the best way of going about things. So for that reason, I would always personally try to have multiple Uh, different ways that I seek out information because what I might do, let's say again, if we're thinking about kind of physiotherapy um, because it's kind of example, if we're talking about shoulder pain and exercise prescription, I might not actually be able to find um, any research that gives me guidance on what exact shoulder exercises I should prescribe for a given individual. So if I'm able to see that, then I have an understanding that, okay, any practitioner who's in the field and who has seen good outcomes, they're also probably aware that there isn't much evidence available to guide them on what they're doing. So I could actually use their experience. However, if I was in the same context and the, there actually was lots of evidence available to guide specific exercises and it's consistent that these exercises are always superior and then I go out in the field and I see that uh, these coaches are using different uh, different exercises than those in the research papers. Um, I might want to delve further into that and say, you know, have you actually read the studies on this topic? And if they say, yes, but what I found in my, in my clinical practice is that this actually works better, then that's totally fair. And you might want to weigh up, weigh up that in your own head. However, however, if they say, no, I actually don't tend to generate read research. I'm more of a fan of just seeing what works in practice. Then you might want to kind of question that and say, okay, maybe I shouldn't, shouldn't seek that out. Um, and, and this becomes particularly important in areas where there's less likely to be evidence available. So for example, in bodybuilding, let's say, um, a lot of bodybuilding is non-evidence-based. And even where evidence is available, we can only kind of make loose inferences as to what is likely to be useful. Because in a lot of research studies on resistance training, they're generally taking untrained individuals or trained individuals who may be training for a year or two. However, if an individual has been doing bodybuilding for 10 years, then it's more difficult for them to be able to stay with, you know, certainty that that research applies to them. It's less likely that it will. And it's more likely that if someone has been coaching bodybuilders, let's say for 30 years, that they're going to have some knowledge that they pass on from their experience that you won't actually be able to find um, in the available evidence. However, for something like, let's say, medical interventions, you'd actually probably be better off to rely more on the available evidence than just clinical experience um, while still weighing up the two. So it does definitely depend on the problem. So you've got your research papers available. That's, of course, useful. You can go and seek information from other courses. And you can also, or other coaches rather, 
And of course, when it comes to some specific things, there might be specific courses available and books on different topics that might be useful too. So for example, if it was something like, I want to improve my motivational interviewing skills, then that is something that you're not going to actually develop by just reading research. So if you were to go and look at the evidence available on motivational interviewing, then you might actually be able to learn what the effectiveness of motivational interviewing is in different contexts, but you won't get the actual experience needed for you to become a competent practitioner in that discipline. So a course in that context would be useful. Would a book be useful? Yes, to a point, but going to a course would actually be more. So where there is a practical element to what you're trying to learn, so motivational interviewing, going to a course might actually be more helpful. So you do have to have a think about what it is exactly that you're trying to learn. If it's a theoretical mechanistic consideration, like, for example, I don't know, the, the flux or the effects on LDL of uh, consuming more saturated or something like that. That's very clearly a mechanist question. Like that's something that you are going to have to go to like primary research to be able to, to learn about because you need to actually see controlled interventions where get that information from a coach, you know? So if you're making those types of decisions that are based on mechanistic evidence um, or things that require more rigorous control to be able to observe, then like research is your best friend there. And obviously the good thing about that now is that there are many research reviews available for you to be able to um, analyze uh, research without having to develop all those specific skills. So, you know, there's, there's, there's the, the mass research review. Um, there's, uh, that's kind of more strength sports specific um, ex- exercise. There is nutrition as well, but mainly strength sports stuff. Um, Alan Flanagan also has a website that's more nutrition specific. Um, so you do have people who review research for you. Um, you know, examine.com do a similar thing. Basically the point there being that there are secondary sources that will review research for you that are discussing specific studies and saying, yeah, this is what this actually means. You know, when we talk about the coach's corner, then in terms of our own service, that's an, another level again, where it's more so taking like we're not going to be discussing like just specific studies and reviewing them there there are great research reviews for that rather what we're intending to do is actually take the questions that people are asking um and break them down on the basis of yeah the research that's available but also the the practical considerations that need to be kept in mind Uh, so it's closer to home from a coaching perspective so so yeah research can be your best friend but if you're talking about something that involves a a practical skill something that you actually need to learn in the real world then getting uh, some sort of mentorship from coaches or going on a course or something uh, could be could be a little bit more helpful so yeah, like I said earlier on, you basically need information and experience. Those are the two yeah. things that we're looking for, right? And with information, you've got effectively, we'll say, two parts to this, right? And that is your own information, or what I mean by that is your understanding of the information, because that can sometimes be a little bit different than the actual information itself. But also sometimes you can be more correct than the general consensus on the information. Uh, and what I mean by that is you you can have a better understanding because you actually are coaching people in the real world. You know, like some people will be like, oh, squats are the best exercise. I think I said this in the last podcast, but squats are the best exercise. But because you have real world experience, you're like, yeah, that's fine to say in a theoretical setting. But I know for my paraplegic over here, squats are simply just not the fucking best exercise, you know? And so we, 
your understanding can quite often, because you're able to apply it specifically, be a little bit better than the, the broad strokes of you know science effectively. Um, but yeah, so you've got two, two information sources yourself and your experience effectively, and then also the actual research itself, right? And combining those two things, you are able to, we'll call it argue from first principles, because if you understand the fundamentals of say exercise, or the fundamentals of nutrition, which the only way you can get that is from reading the research or reading up on topics. Like that's not something that you get from talking to other coaches. Like, yeah, you might build a better understanding of a certain topic, but you kind of have to read or at least, at the very least, watch videos <laughs> on the topic, right? And only then can you actually, you know, think of things from first principles, you know? You're like thinking of a diet, you're like, okay, my first principles here, for example, are, you know, calories, right? So how does this, uh, this diet influence calories? You understand that? You're like, okay, so that's why this diet would be effective or not effective, just from a, an energetic standpoint, right? So you're able to argue things from first principles, yeah? You could maybe get into some mechanistic stuff. That's obviously part of it, but it's mainly just the, the broader strokes, right? You can then use further research, i.e. studies, to get a deeper understanding of certain topics within that, you know, certain, certain mechanistic stuff. Or like Gary said, you can go to other individuals who have already reviewed the research that you're like, I trust this individual, or you know, the consensus is that this individual is trustworthy. And as we've discussed previously on the podcast, you should just always treat people like they're a pedophile and not put your full trust in them. Um, but at the same time, you can listen to what they say and hopefully gain some information from that that can help you for what you need, you know? Um, the second thing to that is experience, right? And obviously this builds yourself, I mean, you just discussed it in terms of the information stuff, um, but this builds within yourself over time. Like the more people you coach, the more hands-on you get, the more information you take in and you know help that clarify your first principles and your other information that you're getting and um, the more experience you get the better you get as a coach just full stop you know you've seen more you're able to understand and navigate situations better right but you can also outsource experience to other coaches like Ari was saying now unfortunately this is what most people do right this is the be all and end all of their information they'll be like X person did this, so I'm going to do this. You know, like the classic one. Obviously, we're in Ireland, so like we're exposed to it. Like I know a lot of listeners here are from like Israel, America, you know, Australia. Like we've listeners all over the world. But anyway, in the context of British bodybuilding, they're all influenced. Well, I say all. The majority of them are influenced by what Dorian Yates did because he's arguably the most successful British bodybuilder. You know, so they're going to that having got the experience, outsourced the experience to him, you know, it's like, well, he was successful. People who follow his methodologies seem to be successful as well. So we're outsourcing experience to him, right? And that's what most people do. That's the be all and end all of their, their, their information, like the, to answer this question of where to find information or how do you know what to do? They're effectively like, well, what did Dorian do? You know, and that can obviously lead to good situations, you know, especially if you're built like Dorian, which, you know, probably not the majority of people aren't, you know, um, but, you know, it, it can lead to good situations. However, if you really want to go above and beyond and be the best coach that you can be, you know, you're going to need to get more experience than just one individual's experience or 
the secondhand experience of that experience. And what I mean by that is, you know, another coach's interpretation of what Dorian did, you know, like that's, that's probably not like, you're not even getting it from the primary source themselves, you know, and which obviously like that could be a good thing as well. They could have refined it more and layered on better understanding of different things and, you know, whatever, you know, but it probably isn't a great position to be in to only rely on other people's experience. However, there are going to be good coaches out there that you can interact with, especially with the, the rise of social media. You know, it's literally so easy to get in contact with someone. You can shoot them an Instagram DM if they have Instagram, an email, uh, Facebook message, whatever, right? You can get in contact with them. And that doesn't mean that they'll necessarily reply to you. And sometimes they'll charge for a consultation or you know, they'll have that as a service. Um, but you can get access to experience far and above and beyond what you would be able to get if it's just your local area, you know? And so you have experience available to you. And as Gary said, this is especially beneficial when we're talking about more practical things, especially as we're talking about like health and fitness stuff. And with fitness stuff, you know, training, a lot of it is, we'll say imitation. You know, you're imitating what other people are doing both in terms of how you move, but also how you experience that movement, right? Because if you see someone like really grimacing after like five reps, you know, that makes you think that, that exercise is going to be harder. You know, they're going to be like, oh, you know, like it, it makes you think, even though internally they could be having a breeze. It's actually an easy exercise for them, but they're given the outward expression of this is really hard. And that influences how you actually think of that exercise and how you experience that exercise yourself, right? And and that's obviously psychological stuff down the road and we're not going to touch on that but also further to that like understanding something like say you know proximity to failure you know if you've never actually trained to failure and you don't know what that is then how could you ever coach someone to to do that you know like if you're looking at someone's reps and you're like i wanted you to do three reps in reserve and you're looking at their reps and you don't know what it actually feels like, what it actually looks like, what like all of that stuff of how how close you are to failure. If you don't, if you've never experienced that, you've never had someone put you through a set where like you're having a come to Jesus, like questioning your life, you know, moment, then you probably don't know where failure is. And you see this in the research when people are like 20 reps off failure when they think they're like a rep or, or two off failure, you know? And it's like, yeah, this is, they never actually gone to failure before right so if you need that experience and you need to have someone show you how to coach like i think everyone should do that or at least you need to be in a gym or have gone to a gym a few times to see how people train hard you need that experience you know or again i'm not saying train hard and you need to be going to failure but you know training higher volume or you know training in a, a very controlled manner and whatever there's different training modalities if you've never seen people train like that you you don't actually know what's possible you know and obviously this is easier nowadays with social media as i said where you can just go onto some powerlifters page or whatever and be like geez i didn't even know lifting those kind of weights was possible but it is you know like i've talked about it before on the podcast like when i started training like i just trained with i didn't know it at the time but i just trained with people who were steroid users so i just assumed i was like you just keep training and you just get this strong so i didn't have these preconceived notions that oh this is what 
a natural person is able to achieve or this is what a natural person is at strength level wise you know whereas you see people online and because they train in a gym where they don't have people really pushing the boundaries or you know on steroids or whatever and they're just like oh like that's just not possible like you know like people will say i don't know squatting three plates is like oh they're like oh that's unbelievable you know and for a general population yeah that would be pretty unbelievable but in my mind i'm like Oh, three reps is a 20 rep set you know, or three, three plates is a, a 20 rep set. You know, that, in my mind, I'm like, that, that's just normal. I'm obviously talking to, for someone who's roughly 90 kilos like me. Um, and I'm like, that's, that's what it should, it should be, you know, but that's because I've seen that multiple times. I've done it myself multiple times. So I'm like, oh, obviously it's possible. But if you don't have that experience, then you're always going to be limited by what you've seen and you know what you think is possible. And I always go back to as well that uh, his name is escaping me now. Your man who ran the, the first four minute mile, you know, um, but your banister. Yeah, like before that, people were like, "I oh, don't know, it's not possible." Like your fucking organs will explode and fucking whatever other thing. They were making up excuses. Then he did it, and then all of a sudden, loads of other people did it. You know, because they were able to see that it was possible. So you kind of need that experience. You know, and again, you can use all the theoretical stuff, the information stuff, and you know, search out that information. That's great. You need to know where to find that. You know, you need to know where to find scientific literature. You need to know where uh, and who to trust in terms of interpreting the scientific literature you need to know like reading books and stuff like you you need to know where to get that information but you also need to know where to get that experience so that you know what is possible and also like Gary was saying like certain times you're going to get information but because you don't have the experience you're not actually going to be able to interpret that information correctly you know because you just don't have the experience. You don't have a real world experience. Like someone might say, you know, three sets of 10 uh, is great for this. And the, the study says this, you know, but in the real world, they're like, hmm, I actually find I get better results with this approach, you know? And this is why I think it is based on, you know, this mechanism or the information we have available from this, you know? And you need to be able to discuss that with coaches. You need to be able to discuss that with other individuals and be like, why do you think this? Or what, what about this? Because realistically, there are multiple ways that you can achieve a certain outcome in terms of health and fitness goals, right? So being able to discuss stuff with other coaches and seeing their approaches, what has worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, what do they think works, what do they think doesn't work, you know, that, that really helps you cut through a lot of the noise in terms of the information because you can be left in a situation where you're reading books, you're looking at videos, you're reading research and you're getting a lot of information, but you don't have the, the context to actually put this into action. Like if you ever read any of our articles, like we always try to contextualize it. Obviously some stuffers, you can't really contextualize it. You know, we're talking about a mechanism or something, you know, but we always try to contextualize something in terms of like the magnitude of effect, because you will get situations where you're looking at this like minuscule, you know, mechanism of action. You're like, this sounds really important. But when you actually look at the magnitude of effect it has on your diet or your health or whatever, it's like, it's rather meaningless, you know, but we'll also layer on stuff um, in terms of the experiences that we've had with coaching people. You know, like, for example, in one of the sleep articles I wrote recently, um, we were discussing like circadian rhythms and, you know, uh, light and melatonin and stuff and, you know, blue light blocking glasses. There's a further article to come on that. Um, but that kind of stuff. But I was like, like, I've trained someone who's blind before, you know, so those approaches don't work. So you have to understand the information. But I would have never, never have thought to be like, oh, how does this apply to blind people? You know, but because I have that experience, I'm like, 
oh, let's actually, this is the research that I looked at that, you know, suggested this. It actually expanded my information because it made me actually question some things about this. And now I have better information in terms of, uh, you know, melatonin across the body and how the effects are there and how that's influenced by light on your skin and stuff. And I was like, okay, so now I have approaches for someone who is blind. And obviously there's different types of blindness, but someone who's blind and doesn't have that, uh, normal circadian rhythm from like the, the the light coming into their 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 eyes, you know. So I only got that because of experience, you know. And obviously that's in the article. So you you've effectively just outsourced experience as a result there. But similar to different situations, like obviously that's a hyper niche situation. But similar to that, there's going to be different experiences in terms of approaching fat loss and approaching muscle gain. And if you can talk to other coaches, engage with other coaches. Uh, you can outsource that experience to a large degree, right? So effectively to just bring it all together and answer the question, there's two places you need to get to be able, two places you need to go to, to get the information, to be in a position where you can always know what to do, right? And that is information itself in terms of primary resources like studies, papers, you know, um, even articles, I'd consider them somewhat primary. You know, people might collate a lot of information together. In a large scale, it's no different than a review paper would be done. Like a lot of them you find online is at the level of a scientific paper. It's just not published in the scientific paper. Um, books as well. Um, information like blogs and stuff that people have written or their experience of it. And then it's, again, the, the second to that is experience. And again, certain things it's a physical experience, you know, like if I'm saying stretch and you've never actually stretched, I'm like, well, you need to know what it is. You know, if you're like, Oh, we need to train the quads and you've never actually felt your quads working in an exercise, you need to be shown that you need to see that, you know? Um, and obviously the, the actual coaching of individuals itself, like the whole like psychological stuff around that, the actual coaching human side of that, then again, you need to outsource that, right? So again, getting that experience. So effectively, if you're a coach listening to this or you're an individual listening to this, you need to look at those two sources. You need to go, where, do I know where to get information from? You know, and that could be, depending on the level, you'd be like, right, I just go to the triage method website. That's where I get my information. Those boys seem to put out good information. They have hundreds of articles up on site. So I just go there. They're pretty comprehensive but maybe it is the primary research that you go to. Maybe it is a few books that you have read and you're like, I I go back to them all the time when I have questions about like mechanistic stuff or whatever it is, you know? And you need to have that. You need to have an information source and ideally information sources, right? But you also need to have experience sources, right? In terms of you need to have more experienced coaches, people who have experienced more individuals, like coach more individuals, you know? And that's not always... I'm not saying that you just find someone who's been coaching for 30 years. That doesn't mean they've been doing it right for 30 years, you know? So you still need to have that information source to, you know, see how those two things, you know, relate, you know, are they actually following the evidence or are they just doing what they've always done and hoping it works, you know, and it's basically a survivorship bias, you know, and like, obviously there are better coaches is what I'm saying. Um, But you can outsource that. And again, the ideal would be, multiple coaches that you trust you know you can get mentorship from them in terms of you know it can be a very like casual thing where you just ask them questions every so often but a lot of people will also have services 
where they do offer mentorship or they have like a service like we have with the coaches corner where they're, they're trying to educate coaches themselves, you know? So that's how I would navigate this. That's where you get information. If you are a coach, it's obviously a little bit easier in terms of you're going to talk to people in your field, like, like any other field would do. If they have a question about, if you're an accountant and you have a question about a certain thing in accounting, you would ask other accountants, you know, you have friends and you know, colleagues in the accounting field and you're like, I don't know about this. What's the story? You ask them. It's the same in coaching, right? If you're an individual and you know, you're not a coach, you're not in the industry, you can still find a few different coaches that you trust, potentially even just engage with their services and go like, I want you to help me get to this goal. How would you approach it? Train with them for, I don't know, 16, 20 weeks, whatever it is, right? Then train with another coach. If you're like, oh, I actually want to get a few different approaches to this. So I want to build my repertoire so I know what I'm doing in the future, you know? Spend a year, two years getting coaching and really understanding the process and really understanding how to get results for your specifics. And all of a sudden you have a skill for life. You know, it's basically a mentorship that you got through coaching, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they're, they're one of the things with, with personal training and strength conditioning in general is that like, I think it's one of, it's a field where books are probably less useful on average than in some other fields. Like for example, with nutrition, I think it's pretty easy to list off some books that like, yeah, this will give you a good foundation because they're very much like, there's, there's key sciences and subjects that underlie the foundation, like metabolic regulation, like you, you read biochemistry stuff, you understand metabolism, you understand all, all those factors. Um, strength training is a little bit different, uh, but there are some books. I think Science and Practice of Strength Training by Zatsiorsky is quite good. Um, and in general, like I don't really recommend any other like applied training books, to be honest, just because what I would say is that some books are almost impermeable in the sense that like they're like for example super training like super training is kind of like a classic book where like people in field often read it or try to read it but you kind of come to the end of of it and you're like i'm not really sure what to do with this (laughs) but you know there are there are some concepts that you can still draw from books like that i think um the science and practice of of strength training is a good book because it's like uh gives you some of the the biomechanics stuff gives you like plant like theories of why you would train in a certain way and the, the good thing about books is that they give you kind of a a context um or a, a big picture perspective of right these are the types of things that people are probably aware of in the field and then that allows you to go deeper in terms of saying all right they discuss this in the book but you know what does the research say on this and what are people doing uh, in the field because you know that's like in medicine that's quite a common thing where when when someone becomes um a doctor and they move further into their career they're probably not reading like primary textbooks as much anymore because it's a fast moving field there's developments and maybe there's been new research so it's kind of like the guidelines are updated or there's new trials that you rely on as opposed to the textbooks which might be fine for like a medical student like myself who's trying to get the overall context of like what does the field look like so that's how i view books in terms of personal training it gives you some idea of what does the field look like but there still might be very different things that you actually do in practice. Um, and that might be based on particular research or it might be based uh, on, on your own experience and the clients that you're working with. Yeah, and just on that as well, like I actually think like blogs, this is actually, if you're ever wondering, this is why we write articles on our website rather than just writing one huge big book, right? Because 
you, you might have noticed that we consistently update our articles in terms of if new research comes out or perhaps, you know, we are writing something else and, you know, we want to have a little bit more information about a certain topic. Like we'll go back and update our articles. Like I know they do that with books. Like they'll have like the first edition, the second edition, the third edition, yeah. you know, but we wanted to have a more, we'll say living document in, in terms of it's very hyperlinked. You know, there's a few different articles on a specific topic which are then referenced in other, you know, parts of the, 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 the book, the, the, the blog. Um, and again, like we're not saying we're the only people that do this stuff, you know, obviously loads of people write about health and fitness yeah. and stuff. So, you know, you can find them there, but I actually think that's a better source, obviously assuming they're using like scientific literature to do it. Like I'm not talking about just some lab blog who's like, oh, I like lifting weights, you know, like yeah. obviously I'm, talking about that. I'm talking about like effectively what we do in terms of write I say scientifically for lay people, you know, like obviously some of our articles, like if you read the, the, uh, the, the heart disease articles, some of them can get very technical in parts. Like Gary used the word attenuate, like a load of people don't know what the word attenuate means, you know, but it, I like, like the word attenuate. <laughs> it actually sounds like a positive word when it's a negative word, but anyway, um, but lots of people don't know what that word means, but they can get an understanding of the overall topic itself. Right. But also, some things are for a certain level of people, you know, and this is, this is the thing with, with books as well. You might buy a book, but not actually be at the level for that book or vice versa. You might buy a book and you're like miles beyond the level of that book. And you're like, this seems so simplistic in terms of how they're explaining things, which can be very beneficial and also negative and, and vice versa. It can be very like, theoretically explained like you would explain to a scientist or like someone who's in the field who already has the, the background knowledge so what we always try to do is strike that balance where you know we're actually just talking to individuals and rather than like talking to scientists you know because like realistically like scientists aren't reading our blog you know so it's like lay people are reading our blog or coaches are reading our blog you know so again you can find that information in different places. And I actually think that's a, a better resource than a book itself because the book is static. And that's something to say, I don't enjoy books. Like I literally have a stack of 10 books right here beside me, you know, um, and hundreds of books in my fucking wardrobe behind me. But they, like Gary said, they have a, a time and a place. Like, again, like if you're 20 years into your career, you're not going to go back and read you know, the fundamentals of exercise, you know, it's like, you should, you should already know that by now, you know, but you might be like, actually, you know, I'm going to just do a recap. I like to do it every 10 years, you know, yeah. it's perfectly fine, you know, and, and also you might reference it every so often in terms of go back and be like, do I actually understand that? I was thinking this and what about this, you know, but you're probably better off reading more niched things in terms of, okay, I want to understand about I don't know, biomechanics. Let's actually do a deep dive on that. Let's buy a book on just biomechanics itself. Let's read some blogs on biomechanics itself. Let's watch some videos on biomechanics. You know, is there any like free online courses or resources or whatever about biomechanics? This is one of the things that's actually really annoying about the, the health and fitness field. Like I actually think like health and fitness professionals spend way more time than other fields on continuing education. Um, and they just don't get rewarded for that in terms of like, there's no, like I know some uh, personal training certs and stuff have like, you need to have continuing education units and here's our certified courses and whatever. And they need to do those. But like the vast majority of good coaches that I know, and 
I'd say the vast majority of people that are listening to this, like I would even consider listening to podcasts, like continuing education to a degree, you know, um, like the vast majority of coaches, people that train people are spending quite a bit of time educating themselves every week or at least every month, you know, there's at least spending their like, they're, they're reading about nutrition, they're reading about training because they want to do it themselves, you know? And um, so even if it's a selfish endeavor, they're still learning quite a bit and it's just not rewarded as much in the field. Like, you would hope that your doctor is spending his spare time listening to medical podcasts, listening to or watching videos on, you know, different medical things and um, reading different medical books, you know, reading the, the primary research, following other doctors. But I actually can't confidently say that's the case. You know, in fact, I know multiple doctors that they once they clock out of work. They don't think about medicine, which is fine. I'm not saying you have to be thinking about your career 24 seven, you know, and um, but I'm just saying like with personal trainers and coaches, like people are asking, like even this question, people are asking questions. They're, they're, they, they want to know. So if you master the art of where to find information or who to trust and gain information from, like you have a skill for life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with your comment there about um, how you actually do. You would expect that of doctors that like when they go home, they're listening to podcasts and consuming fucking audio books and reading books and everything but the reality is like you know doctors are are people too <laughs> and the reality is that most people when they leave work they're like yep that's my job and i think that is one thing that's actually really really positive for all the shit that personal trainers and the fitness industry gets in general one of the really positive things is that like personal trainers actually do really try to go on and educate themselves the framework isn't necessarily there the resources aren't always great that they learn from but in reality, like most of the personal trainers I know, like they voraciously consume podcasts and articles. And even if it's just Instagram content that they're consuming, they're always doing something to be like, all right, I want to learn more about this. I want to learn more about this. Um, and a lot of other professions simply don't do that. Um, and obviously one of the big differences there is that a lot of personal trainers get into personal training because they're like, Hey, I absolutely love everything about training and nutrition. It means the world to me and I like helping others do the same thing. Um, so yeah, I think other professionals could learn from personal trainers in that sense. But yeah, I, I personally, I don't see another way of living than to be constantly trying to voraciously consume content. So it's, sure it's, it's alien, it's alien. <laughs> consumer. I'm on that fast information diet. It's disgusting, Gary. Uh, <clears throat> anyway um, now i have nothing else to say uh, about nope. the topic you have anything else to say apart from do our sales pitch that you always do at the end of the day uh no that's it the only other thing is like obviously we have a significant conflict of interest in telling you to go to the coach's corner to learn but if you are someone who regularly consumes our podcast content our written content etc all of the free stuff we put out um the coach's corner could be a potential next step for you um, it is obviously a paid service, but it is a valuable service in the sense that we are trying to bridge the gap that we are talking about. That gap being the gap between the personal trainer on the floor and the kind of theoretical and scientific information. Uh, basically, what we want to do is be the middlemen who go and do the searching for you to give you the answers rather than you having to be totally lost and not knowing where to go. So that's basically what the coach's corner is trying to serve if you are interested that service is now running so you can sign up um, and get involved there to the membership uh, it is a subscription so that means that we will be releasing 
content on a rolling basis. It will continually be released each week as opposed to it being a fixed product that you are paying for. So if you're interested in joining up with the service in and have a couple of hours per week where you set out time to educate yourself, it will be that type of service where there's constantly something new as opposed to it being just one big massive project that you're like, all right, there's a thousand hours here. Where do I start? Okay. Uh, so if you're interested, sign up. If you're more interested in just coaching with us, uh, we do have online coaching spaces available if you'd like to work with us towards your goals. If you'd just like to get involved with the, the community and our content in general, we do have a Facebook group, the Triage Method Community. We also have a newsletter, the Triage Method newsletter, which you can subscribe to. Um, and we also obviously publish multiple things on social media. Uh, such as our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and our YouTube channel as well. And all of those can be found at Triage Method. And if you would like to ensure that we keep doing the podcast and we can, you know, we're being reinforced to do more, it would be worthwhile subscribing and leaving a rating and review. That'd be really helpful for us, help more people find the content and help spread the good word. 100% Gary. Anyway, I have nothing else to say. Um, oh, it's too easy. I hope everyone enjoys their weekend after this. Peace out.